listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hi, I'm Mess, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Ryan, and you're listening to Season 3 of the Iterators of the Imperium podcast, the podcast in which Ryan is the expert on Warhammer 40k, and I am the noob trying to learn about the Warhammer universe. And as you guys can see, for this season, we do actually have a virtual studio, and it's in flame because we're talking about the traitors yeah. of these Primarchs. But yeah, I can dive way too much into this. So Ryan, let's just get into it. So what are we talking about or who are we talking about today? Well, that is the question, Mez. But as you know, I have a little I have a little intro bit for this. In case this is someone's first episode, we got we got to cover these things cuz not yep. only are we talking about this from a pretty weird point of view cuz we're pretending you are the character that we're talking about <laughs> which would be really confusing uh, cuz I'll be honest we're talking about like traitors this time if we if we just went into it saying you're doing all these terrible things and someone doesn't understand it's like a metaphor or like a particular form of yeah. people are gonna think you're out there destroying whole planets and stuff and spreading diseases and burning stuff and things like that. And really, we just don't want people thinking you're all about Wait, that. But Ryan, I, I am doing that though. Look, <laughs> just because you're out there spreading disease right now because you're Wait, ill hey, doesn't. Hey, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yes, I am still a bit ill. Yes. Yes. You do sound better though, so there's clearly some improvement going on. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so as per usual, Mez, in this episode, you are a little baby boy, but like a super baby, you know? Super baby. Yes. Super. Uh, you know, metaphorical or theoretical sense, though, that is. For the sake of, you know, uh, narrative, I guess? I, I don't know. There's framing, that's the word I was looking for. For the sake of framing, that's the case. Anyway, so you have no idea what is going on in the universe around you. An innocent little baby floating in your little incubation pod in the Emperor's gene labs under, well, it's in Terra, but I can't remember exactly where it is. I suppose it's probably in the Imperial Palace. It's under the Imperial Palace, actually. Yeah. Himalayas? Yeah, seems like a safe guess. The palace is big, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, totally unaware of all the horrors of the galaxy and the wonders of the universe and so on and so forth. The year is somewhere between 700 and 800 of the 30th millennia. Uh, Slanesh has just been born... Eldar are pretty fucked up because of that. Yeah. Uh, warp storms that were ravaging the galaxy in the run-up to Slaanesh's birth are finally dissipating, and the Emperor is free to take his newly unified Emperor of, or uh, Imperium of Man into the galaxy and start crusading and stuff. Yeah. But today we're talking about the spanner in the works, when you, one of his would-be generals, is yeeted through space and... Well, not space and time. Just space, really. Um, probably through the warp a little bit, though. Uh, to a random planet. And today, the planet we're talking about is Nuceria. But, I'm going to warn you now, we don't have a picture of Nuceria. So, uh... Here is a picture of Nuceria. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this properly. Uh, Nuceria Alfateran, which uh, is an ancient area of southwestern Italy. And oh. I assume that's what it's named after, because uh, that's got its own huge history and things like that. But yeah. I'll be honest with you, there just aren't pictures of this planet. 
Uh, and we will explain why later on, because it does vaguely come up in the story, so we will mention yeah. it. Uh, yeah. But there's a completely irrelevant picture for you, because I'm in the habit of putting a picture at this point, and I didn't have one. So, Italy. Yes. I take that down before anyone gets really confused. <laughs> First thing to see. Ah, like, what? Why are the picture of ancient ah. ruins? What does this have to do with Hortigay? <laughs> For all we know, the Emperor was there, okay? He was a lot of people through history. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, like, Warhammer do use a lot of real-life lore in the history. They know? do. It's a big thing, actually. It is, yeah. it is a huge deal. It's quite cool, though. It really, it really like should it. tie some stuff together. Um, you know, you know the one I found out about recently that kind of blew my mind. No uh, do you remember I mentioned the Council of Nicaea, the the whole thing where they banned psychers from all the legions, and Magnus got like slapped on the head for being magic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know that is based off of the Council of Nicaea, which is a point where all the Catholics and Christians got together to try to like decide on how they were going to do things in a standardized sense for Christianity. The only thing I know for a fact they decided on there was what date they were going to say Easter was. But it <laughs> okay. was basically just a bunch of like ruling uh, members of like various forms of Christianity got together to be like, okay, so we're all doing things differently and people are starting to doubt us. We can't need to get on the same page here, lads. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So it was based off of that, which I found quite funny. <laughs> but that that was the most recent one of those like real life things that they tied into it that I didn't know about. It was the most recent one I found. It was quite cool. Yeah. Anyway, let's actually get on to the point here. So, Nuceria was a civilized world, but only in the sense that it was it had human civilization on it, not in the sense that they weren't complete like savages, right? <laughs> Like, they yeah. had cities, and they had, like, government and stuff like that, but it was a terrible place to be. It was truly horrible, okay? Yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds terrible. Yeah, but it's going to get worse, right? <laughs> the more oh, I explain about this, the worse it gets, right? But it's not worse in, like, the Katachan sense or anything like that. It's worse in the fact that it was, like, ran by slave masters. <laughs> Great. I mean, it is Warhammer, so yes. Yes, uh... Uh, yeah, so the whole world is basically ran by brutal slave masters that really loved gladiatorial combat, like old school Rome did. <laughs> yeah. But they weren't ran by slave masters, so I suppose that's the essential difference there. Yeah. Uh, but now we're going to go over to you, the important bit of this story, you know? So, Super baby. Super baby? Yeah, so you were just a little bouncing baby boy, and in this case you were bouncing down an icy mountain. <laughs> Uh, Lovely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so as we've seen before, your pod falls from the atmosphere, barrels into a mountain and bounces down and ends up just pinning into the ground somewhere along the way. Uh, eventually, you were found by a slaver. Okay. But when he found you, it wasn't like with Sanguinius where they found this pod with this weird little child in it and were like, yeah, I gotta take them with us. No, no, this guy finds your pod, like, broken open and surrounded by alien corpses that have been torn apart. What? Yeah! Bruh. You murdered a bunch of aliens as a baby. So, 
there is some debate about what those aliens were, um, because there isn't an official record in Imperial records for this, obviously. Being that you are a traitor, as we know, your entire history would have been buried. It would all have been classified, yeah. and only the Emperor himself could ever get to it, and he probably knows already, so it'll just never be seen by anyone ever again. Yeah. Uh, anyone who saw it would probably be smited. Probably have their whole planet burned down, things like that, just because how dare you know a thing. Um, yep. But there is some debate on what these aliens were, and uh, one of the prevailing theories is that they were Eldar who had seen the future of what you would go on to do and had decided to try and kill you at your weakest, which was newborn baby, and still failed. You still oh, killed them. God. That must be embarrassing, man. I, I don't know. I feel like at that point, everyone else in your race just accepts that they're fucked. <laughs> I don't think you're even like, God, that's embarrassing. We totally could have done better. You're like, no, you fucking couldn't have. You'd have been murdered too. <laughs> what I don't get I like is, that. why do you get close enough to the baby to let it kill you? It doesn't have a gun or anything. Just shoot it. Grenade. Done. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Sniper rifle. Aye, like, I'd keep my... I, I'd have just taken out the planet, to be honest with you. Better safe than sorry, I guess. Right. It's a ship planet anyways. Why didn't they Exactly. It was a human planet. I don't give a fuck. But, like... Anyway, this dude finds you surrounded by mutilated alien corpses. Yeah, so, nice. he goes, well, that's coming with me, and takes you with him. <laughs> so you get taken in by this random slaver. You were slightly injured. You weren't, like, pristine lying in your, like, pod thing. You were injured, so they had harmed you. Uh, yeah. So this guy takes you in, nurses you back to health, and obviously you grow rapidly. So by this stage, you're like a small child. And mm -hmm. he takes you to the, the, the masters of the world, right? The slave masters that run the place, which are in the capital city, which is called uh, Decia. So... Uh, the leaders of the world are called the High Riders, by the way, but they are they are just like the slave masters, basically. Um, they sound like pricks, by the way. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're slave masters, of course. They're dicks. Yeah. Don't worry about it, though. It works out in the end, right? <laughs> they're gonna die. That, that's code word for they're gonna die. Basically, yeah, but it's gonna be funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Like, trust me, they deserve what they get. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So. Uh, so this guy takes you to meet these people, and obviously you were a small child at this point. You were a small, frightened child, actually, when you met them. Uh, but they didn't see a small, frightened child. They saw a new fighter for their pets, right? That's all you were to them. Uh, so that's exactly what you became, because they immediately threw you into the fighting pits. <laughs> oh, but God. You know how, like, sometimes with gladiatorial combat, they would have, like, a big event thing where it'd be, like, sometimes it would just be, like, a one-on-one -on -one fight. Sometimes it'd be, like, a kind of, like, a champion versus, like, three or four new guys. Sometimes yeah. it'd be versus a lion. Things like that, right? Yeah. Uh, in this particular case, the event going on this time was, like, a hundred fight like gladiator slaves all in the pit and one big, like, pillar of stone in the center with like a bunch yep. of tears to it and then the whole pit started to fill with acid so okay so kind of like a battle royale which essentially is, which is yes that's what they were creating they were creating a battle royale 
So, hey, obviously, I'm just saying, Fortnite, you thought you were ingenious with your <laughs> battle royals. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, yeah. I'm not even kidding, right? That's yeah, it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Wait, why haven't Warhammer made a battle royale then? It's just a matter of time, mate. <laughs> it's just a matter I'm of time. To it. Yeah. I'm sorry, I took us way off to track. You continue. Once we get to Fortnite, you know you're off track. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so... Obviously, as it starts to fill with acid, everyone starts trying to climb this stone pillar to get to the top mm-hmm. to try and be safe for as long as possible, I guess. But obviously, not everyone can be on top. So they start fighting and throwing each other out of the way. And then the next thing, it just turns into brutal combat, as obviously was expected of them. It's what they were looking for from you. Yes, but that's entertainment. Exactly. You need the murder or it's not entertaining. If people aren't dying, it's just not funny, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and... Pretty soon you were hacking and slashing and tearing people apart and throwing them into the acid and basically fighting desperately for your own survival and only your own survival. And eventually you stood alone as the last survivor atop this stone pillar and the crowd cheered around you. And as you stood there, you shed the last tear you would ever shed. Oh, yeah. I was still a baby, right? You were a child. You're, think a of child. like a five-year-old doing this, <laughs> right? Like you were a child, <laughs> but that—that right. that was like that. Do that experience at such a young age basically tore the heart out of you, right? Oh God. You had basically—you basically just gave up your humanity right then and there because you didn't have a choice. So that yeah. was the last time you would ever shed a tear because before this point you had been afraid. And at some point during this, you realized you didn't have that as an option. Fear was not something you could afford to have. So you kind of just threw away a whole part of just who you naturally were in that moment and decided that survival was what you were going for. That's what you would be. You would be a survivor. Um, But although this was a big thing for you, standing atop this pillar and kind of dealing with this, all the slave masters saw was the crowd cheering and that you were obviously an up-and-coming new gladiator. Of course. Yeah. So in that moment, you were given a name, right? Mm -hmm. You were given a name, which means Child of the Mountain, and then uh, your last name was Thalkar, or Thalkar, which is the name of the slave house that owned you. Okay. And so, to the masses, you were proclaimed the new gladiator... Angron Thel- uh, Thalkar. Oh, God. Okay, okay. All makes I'll sense now, doesn't it? This. I have been waiting for this. You've been telling me to just wait for Angron, and I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Lay it on the Ryan. He's, honestly, Angron's story is like tragic. such a heart... Yeah, it's such a tragically heartbreaking story. But the worst thing is, a lot of the traitors have that. A lot of the traitors, you're like, this guy never had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable but it's horrible what they're doing but understandable you know yeah so uh you obviously ended up like fighting many many more fights in this arena um for the slave masters you ended up gaining a title as angron uh the unbeaten which is a pretty great title because yeah. no one could fucking beat you um you were like a favorite of the uh, decia kind of civilians and their populace and stuff and you became a champion in the fighting pit as the years went by. Yeah. Now, 
obviously you had gotten to know a lot of the other kind of fighters and gladiators, the ones that managed to survive anyway. And you'd kind of, you had built like a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a friendship, a family out of these other gladiatorial slaves. Or the closest you could get, you were bonded through this terrible situation. You were all in together, right? Yeah. So you did, you all cared about each other quite a bit. But there was one man that, it was an older guy who kind of ended up as like a father figure for you. Uh, so his name was, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce this because it's difficult. There's a lot of vowels in here. Uh, Onomos? Onomos? Something like that. Anyway, but this was this older guy who kind of like looked after you a bit. And obviously by this stage, you were kind of a grown man. So you didn't really need looking after. But it was like the kind of wisdom kind of sense of it and a lot of it as time went on. Rather than an actual protecting you sense because you didn't need protecting. <laughs> it was just kind of looking over you, you know. Um, So you did have friends in a form of a family, even in this terrible situation. You had forged that for yourself, at least, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, one day you were set in the arena alongside this guy you see as a father figure. Not to fight each other. You were fighting a duel against two other opponents together. Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, So you were set against two feral ogren, right? And the two of you dispatched them handily, right? They were not much of an issue for you, right? Now, you've played Darktide. You know what an ogren is, right? They're yes. fucking big dudes. But you and Daddy Dearest fucking murdered them. Wait, when you said Daddy Dearest... No, I know, it sounds like answer. Emperor. It's not Emperor. It's, it's, your, okay, it's yeah. your technically adoptive father figure, I guess. Um, okay, okay, okay. So you guys work together and fight these guys for the for the entertainment of the masses. And the problem is, you do it too fast. You do it too well, too easily. Yeah. So the arena masters are like, we really did need to give these people their money's worth here. We need to keep this going a bit longer. We've not really got anyone else lined up. Fuck it. They announce you have to fight each other to the death. Now, obviously, you care about this guy a great deal. So you refuse to fight him. Right? Absolutely fucking not. Mm-hmm. Now, the slave masters obviously get pissed off about this because how dare you defy them? You are just a slave, <laughs> even if you're the yeah. biggest guy on the planet. Uh, so they take you away, they, they drag you away, strap you to a surgical table and do what they've done to many other slaves and install the butcher's nails into your skull. Now... Butcher's nails are like ancient lost technology that this one planet happens to have from like the dark age of technology. No one knows how it works. No one knows how to make it. But they got a bunch of them still lying around and they still know how to put them into someone. So that's what they do. (laughs) So Uh, the butcher's nails are an implant that fit through your skull into your brain. Uh, In this case, they look like a spike and then dreadlocks. Uh, the wires on them work like, look like dreadlocks on your skull. So if you see Angron, actually here's a picture of young Angron, you can see yeah, okay. it looks like he has these kind of dreadlock things pinned into his skull. Yeah. Yeah, that's the butcher's nails. Um, basically, what they do is they put the bearer, like the person who has them, in incredible pain unless they're committing violent acts, uh, yeah. while also stimulating certain parts of their brain to basically put them into unthinkable levels of aggression and rage. Um, 
And in this case, these old school ones also uh, cause some like brain degradation as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they're pretty rough, but upon having them installed, you basically went into like a level of rage never known before to any living human that didn't have these. Uh, yeah. So what but, they did was, again, right, it's understandable. Like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for for Angron, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As this goes on, you're gonna feel for Angron more and more. His story is rough, <laughs> but. It gets worse right now because since you're in this blind rage, what they do is they take you back to the arena and just yeet you in like into the arena again with, you know, your father figure there. And because you're in this blind rage, you just tear him apart. Yeah. And it takes some time for that initial kind of rage that's taken over you from the installation of these things to pass. But when it finally passes, you realize what's happened, what you've done. And you basically just fall to your knees and bellow this ridiculous howl of grief for like four days straight. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no one in the city slept for four days, I'm sure of it. <laughs> so, That's fine. Yeah. Once you finally kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say like got over your grief, but once you kind of like accepted it and were able to like, kinda, you know, move on to a degree, to function again, um, you were like, that's the last straw. It's revenge time. Fuck this. Fuck them. Fuck all of this. Right? Mm-hmm. You know how there was a point during the heresy where Horus uh, vowed to see the galaxy burn? And then after the heresy, Magnus made the same vow. This was the point where Angron vowed to see Nuceria burn. <laughs> Oh god. Like this was it. It was over for him. And and because of that, it was over for everyone else. Yeah. Or at least the slave masters. Justified. It totally is, right? (laughs) I get that. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, what you do is you go and you rally all the other slaves into this kind of uprising, this rebellion you're doing, right? It's time to stomp the Grand Masters of this planet under your heels. They've put you through enough. So you rally all the slaves, you break out of the arenas, you break out of the city, in the process you free every slave you come across, rallying all of them to your cause, lead them all out of the city and back up into the mountains where you were initially found. Right? Yeah. And you're there for years, right? The entire time your supplies are dwindling more and more, so your people Mm -hmm. are getting hungrier and hungrier, you're constantly being attacked, because the, the slave masters keep sending like groups of soldiers to try and bring you back. So you're constantly fighting. It's a whole thing, right? <laughs> it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's just you and your fellow slaves finally living free in the mountains. But it's not much better of a situation. You're just not fighting for the entertainment of others anymore, really. You're still fighting for survival. Yeah, but at least you don't feel like a, an animal in the zoo. That's it. I suppose, yeah, that's the benefit of it, is you do feel free, at least. Yeah, I think there's also some pride to it, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's probably I'm not going to play your game anymore. Like, I'm not going to play your game. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. Um, It it, it got so bad while you were there that you ended up, like, feeding some of your people your own blood to keep them from starving. 
Okay. You heal fast, man. <laughs> like, you'll be fine. <laughs> right? Well, I know, but it sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like something Sanguinius would have to do, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just like, I feel like we talked about this before. Yeah. It's kind of man. Um, but you call it like bleeding your horse or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, That's we talked about bleeding it. horses' flanks, yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, we have thought this before. That that was in the, the bonus episode we did. That's so long ago. Yeah, that was yeah. ages ago. Yeah. That was like a solid six months ago. Uh yeah. But yeah, so you even ended up feeding them your blood to keep them alive. Like that's how desperate things got. Yeah. And obviously you were seeing it's only a matter of time until we're done. Like, the rest of them are all going to starve to death. It's the, They're never going to stop sending people to try and kill you or to bring you back. It is genuinely just a matter of time. And yeah. the kind of finality of this came when you were entirely surrounded on the mountain by a full-fledged army that the Grand Masters had finally bothered to, like, put together. Because they'd been sending, like, a squad of soldiers every once in a while before that. This time they were like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not enough. They're going to keep killing them all. We need a full-on army of well-equipped troops. And that's what they finally organize this time. And they fully surround you on this mountain. And it's looking like it's time for the final bloody battle. Yeah. And, you know, right before the battle's about to kind of begin, all of a sudden there's this sudden smell of, like, ozone going on. And then before you, all of a sudden, stands the Emperor of Mankind, oh, clad okay. in his golden armor, with, uh, uh, I, th I believe it's three of his custodies flanking him, yep. stands right in front of you, just teleported down from his flagship in orbit. And Daddy's home. He turns to you and he explains who you are, what you are, what your role really is, that he has an army of children or soldiers built in your image, designed specifically for you to lead, that there will be endless time like in the future for you to perfect the art of conquest and war. Right? All you have to all you all you have to do is go with him. All you have to do is accept his offer. Yeah. But you had already decided that you would die here alongside your brothers and sisters, alongside your family. This was yeah. this was the end for you. You had accepted that. You had given them their freedom. And yeah. that's all you had really seen to do. They were going to die here. There was no way out of that. And you wanted to die with them. This was it. You had accepted it. Mm -hmm. So you refused the Emperor's offer. So the Emperor, he accepts the fact that you've refused him. And he and his custodians teleport back on another flagship in orbit. And so the battle begins. Your troops all charge straight into the enemy lines all around them. And right before you can make your first kill, blinding light, and the next thing, you're sitting on the deck of the Emperor's flagship. Hey, they beamed me up. They beamed you up. But Without you're alone. Consent. Yeah. It's just you surrounded by the custodies. All you can do is watch on the monitors as your friends and family, brothers and sisters, are slaughtered, abandoned by you. So, 
obviously you were enraged by the fact that you got teleported away and forcibly abandoned your brothers and sisters and yep. now had to just watch them die, thinking you had abandoned them. Because uh, they obviously all heard the offer that you were made. So they're all going to be thinking, like, he secretly took the deal or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they all die thinking you actually abandoned them. Oh, that's so bad. Right, that's like the war, or one of the worst parts of it. So in your rage, you murdered one of the custodies that were around you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. But before you could continue your murderous rampage, the Emperor used his psychic nonsense to get you to chill the fuck out, to subdue yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, so there's a bit of back and forth here which I feel is really important because you asked the Emperor why he didn't intervene and save them uh, and he basically just dismisses your question <laughs> claiming it, it, like, it lacks vision because the only thing that you were really bothered about was this one little group of random slaves and the the despotic leaders that you know oversaw them and he's like no no yeah. my view is of the entire galaxy so he just totally I mean, just messaged you. It is a big of like view and goal, but holy shit, put yourself in other people's shoes, right? Right. Like I try at least. God yeah. damn. So uh you tell him that you were supposed to die on Nuceria alongside them, and that the only thing that remains of you now is a ghost of who you once were. And the Emperor replies, A ghost will suffice for my uh, what I have planned. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, never never dismiss like the proposal from the Emperor. Yeah, I <laughs> To be fair, yeah, it wouldn't have helped yeah, even if he had agreed. He <laughs> would have just done the same thing. Well then. Yeah. Uh where did I put that? Hold on. Okay. So uh the next thing that kind of happens here, we will go into more detail about it because we're going to talk about you meeting your Legion. We will go yeah. into more detail of it in the next season when we're specifically talking about the Legions. But there is a bit which is really important for the character. So um, obviously, right after that whole thing with the Emperor, that back and forth, he immediately teleports you onto a nearby ship, which is mm -hmm. the flagship of the Warhound Legion or the Warhounds. Uh, which is the original name of the 12th Legion, which are your sons, which you would go on to rename the World Eaters, as you know. Yeah. Um, so the whole point is so, so you can meet your kids right now, basically. Um, and basically, from that day, you hated every fucking one of them. <laughs> you just hated them all. Uh, you even killed a bunch just for, like, for well, for nothing or for talking to you or really any other reason you decided was a reason at the time. <laughs> you just liked killing them because you fucking hated them all. Like, any slight inconvenience, are you dying? <laughs> yeah, that, even not inconvenience. One of them could have brought you a coffee, you'd still kill him. Like, it's slightly, it's slightly cold. You're dead now. <laughs> it's slightly too hot. This is perfect. Also dead. You just like killing people, don't you? Pointing out the Why? obvious. Dead. Like, it's all thing. Why? Because I say so. <laughs> because dead. <laughs> uh... So the next kind of like major thing that happens with uh, with you and your legion is uh, you decide that every one of them has to get the butcher's nails. Oh God! Right, but remember the butcher's nails were like ancient lost technology, so they didn't yeah. know how to do that. <laughs> 
So they started prototyping and trying to make their own version of it, trying to remake them from, you know, studying your ones, studying, like, old kind of uh, reports about them and stuff like that. Uh, basically, every attempt ended with failure and the death of the subject. Because uh, you yeah. were just putting spikes into a man's brain at a certain point. It only goes so well, <laughs> unless they're, you know, well-designed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh eventually it gets to a stage that like a really well-respected adept from the uh from the adeptus mechanicus gets involved and then you start making some progress with it uh but again it still keeps murdering them until finally a design is made which finally works and the first of your sons manages to survive the implantation of the butcher's nails now, yeah. there are a couple of differences, right? These ones uh, don't have the same brain degradation fault that your ones do, right? So that's, I guess, a benefit of the new style of them. Uh, and the first person who actually manages to get these is uh, Captain Karn of the 8th Assault Company who would one day be known as Karn the Betrayer, uh, which we have mentioned before, possibly one of Karn's greatest servants. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he was the first one to survive uh, getting them installed when they finally got a new design for them working. Uh, After that point, they obviously started doing it to everyone, (laughs) but there was obviously a stage where some had it and some didn't, and at that point, you would still randomly kill any of the ones that didn't have them, because you didn't respect them, (laughs) they were nothing. But the ones that had them, you now thought were were worthy, they had earned some form of respect, basically, and you would like have a conversation with them, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, and, yeah, moving forward, your time with your Legion is basically just carnage, because you still fucking hate them all, even if they do have the butcher's nails. <laughs> you just hate life <laughs> at this stage. Like Your life everything. was supposed to end a long time ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're just being forced to carry on, because nothing can kill you. Um, like, it's to the point that, like, at some stage, you even just randomly stole a frigate and escaped. You just pissed off in the middle of nowhere, abandoned your whole legion. Okay. And at this point, Karn was it was like your second in command, right? So he's now in yeah. charge because you've disappeared. So he just starts leading the legion to try and find you. For two years, he looks for you. He eventually finds you after two years on this random feral world, living like a savage. And when he talks to you, he finds out that you're just desperately exploring the galaxy, trying to find someone that can kill you. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. What a mission. Like, could he just not stop? Like, he could just stop eating, right? No. You just jump from a... No, that's not going to kill him as well. Yeah, nothing kills him. That's rough. Yeah, it basically takes a Primarch to kill a Primarch. Yeah, and he's in constant pain. Yeah. He is in constant pain. He can't dream. He can barely sleep. Like, his life is just misery. Uh, It does sound horrendous, by the way. Yeah. So, uh... 
So there's a weird point for a lot of the Great Crusade and stuff like that where Angron, for some reason, is stuck with Lorgar. Right? Okay. It's just a thing that ends up happening. He's just stuck dealing with Lorgar for a long time of this whole story, right? And he does not like him because Lorgar is a fucking weakling. Even for a Primarch, he's a fucking wuss. (laughs) He is like the most boring guy in the galaxy and he's not even tough to make it worth having him around. He's just a big fool. He's just really religious. Yeah. Um... So, uh, right, there, there's a quote I want to explain to you, and then there's another quote where I just want to read to you that gives you a bit of... They're for two separate reasons. One of them is just about the Warhounds and the World Eaters and stuff, mm-hmm. and it just gives you a bit of like perspective about the whole thing that's going on, not specifically about this character, but it is from Angron, and... Uh, no, sorry, it's not from Angron. It's from the, ga- one of, it's from the leader of the Warhounds before Angron turned up. Uh, and the other one is a quote from Angron to Lorgar at this point where they're stuck together. So yeah. the first one, which is from the guy who used to lead the Warhounds, is just that uh, I'm not going to, I don't have the quote on hand, but basically he's like, um, he's like, Gilliman creates, uh, creates diplomats. Um, Magnus raises, uh, was it, thinkers? Uh, Lorgar raises priests. And the Khan creates uh, vagrants. Only the Warhounds are exactly what they were created to be, and only they are what the Emperor wanted from all of the legions. Conquerors. Okay. Uh, that's actually a really interesting point that about all the legions as a whole, uh, that they they all have their own kind of style and their own way of doing things and their own kind of like thing that they're good at and stuff. But a lot of the time, what that does is take them away from what they are meant to be, which is just a soldier. Yeah. Right? Which kind of leads you into like, well, it's no wonder they ended up in such different places as time went on because they were all totally different from what they were supposed to be. But even to this day the world eaters are still only what they were originally designed to be. They're just kind of, you know, demony about it now. Yeah. But they're, they're always just exactly what they were made to be, conquerors. And I suppose it kind of raises an argument that maybe the emperor didn't do as good a job designing the Legionas as he thought he did. You know? <laughs> one one with my, could be uh, led to believe that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. like he was trying to make he was trying to make twenty legions of you know the best soldiers in the galaxy, but they were supposed to be able to like to lead afterwards once the galaxy yeah. was united. But that that in itself is is two polar opposites: diplomacy and leadership, and you know like conquest are two total opposite ends of a spectrum. And it seems like every every legion landed somewhere in the middle there at different stages. And you're like, yeah, no wonder your plan didn't work the way you thought it was gonna. <laughs> That's fun, though. Uh, yeah. So the quote I've actually got here, which I'm going to read for you, is an interesting one. Because um, it kind of sums up Lorgar's... Sorry, not Lorgar's. Angron's position, Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's him talking to Lorgar, right? But 
there's a name that he says in a lot. He says Corferon a lot. Just so you know, that is Lorgar's adoptive father, right? Because this isn't going to make a lot of sense otherwise. Okay. So the quote is, <clears throat> you kept that mule Corferon, Ross kept his kin friends, the lion kept Luther, humans, brothers and foster fathers, saved and raised into the Legion ranks, but not me, not Angron, no. Did the Emperor teleport his gold-wrapped custodians down to help me and my army? No. Did he free the warhounds and order them to battle to fight alongside me? No. Did he save my brothers and sisters the way he spared and honoured the lion's closest kin? The way he honoured Corferon? No, no, and no. No mercy for Angron. Angron the Oathbreaker. Angron the Betrayer. But the thing is, it's so understandable, you know? It is. It's perfectly understandable. That's the worst part of it. It's, it's, it's such an understandable position for him to end up in, for him to feel yeah. the way that he does. But that highlights to you, he fucking hates the Emperor from day one, and he will never forgive him for what he did. Because even well, then, he went on and met all of his. He went on and met all of his brothers and heard their stories, and it just cemented it more. Because they all got leeway and protection and stuff that he didn't get. Yeah. And why not? There's absolutely no reason that the emperor didn't help him. He just decided not to on this one random day for no reason. I actually hate that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Yo, justice for uh, for my boy Ankron here. He's gonna go up in the tier list, by the way. I told you he would, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, you called it. Yeah, you actually yeah. did. It's so unjust. It's yeah. so unjust. So now we're gonna get into the kind of the downfall of Angron around heresy time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, during the heresy, Horus basically just used your hatred of the Emperor to his advantage. He kind of fueled it by telling you stuff like, the Emperor's a weakling, he has no honour. And then promising you like a place in this new Imperium that he was going to build. Um, that you could have revenge against all your brothers that were you know against you up until this point. Um, yeah. All the bastards that had ever judged you. You were going to get revenge on all of them. So naturally, you kind of took to Horus' side. To be honest with you, it's almost entirely fueled by the fact that you hated the Emperor and so did Horus at this point. Uh, <laughs> for the record, this is what you looked like at this stage. This is Primarch Angron. Oh, God. It's cool dude, right? Yeah, you wouldn't want to go up against him. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> I like his armor, though. It's quite a cool style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so with all these kind of promises and obviously Horace using his diplomatic skills to really take advantage of you uh, and your hatred of the Emperor, you were basically on board from day one with the whole heresy thing. Yep, uh, sign me up. Yeah, you were right there at the whole Estevan, uh, Estevan 3, purging your legion of anyone that isn't evil. You were there at the Dropflight Massacre, fucking up the three good guys that turned up. Uh, but then... You were kind of... This is the point where you tie into Lorgar's story. Because you tie into Lorgar's story of the heresy pretty heavily. Because after all that stuff, you were sent away with Lorgar to... So obviously there were some Primarchs that Horus knew he wouldn't get on site, right? He knew some of them were going to stay loyal. So the best bet was keep them away and busy rather than try to kill them or get them on site, Right? So that's mm -hmm. what you got sent to do with Lorgar. 
your job was disrupt the ultramarines because they're the biggest threat. There's that fucking many of them, right? There's like double the number of them as there is any other legion. If the whole Horus Heresy thing's happening, it gets to the siege and they turn up. Even if half of them turn up, it's a game changer. They will lose. So they need yeah. them not to be on the board anymore. But they're not going to kill them all because how would they possibly do that? So go run interference, basically. So he sends you and Lorgar to do that. There is a specific reason it's the two of you and your legions, though. Because, um, as we mentioned before, the during the heresy, massive warp storms called the Ruin Storms take over a huge area of space and trap a lot of people into the worlds of Ultramar, right? So yeah. they can't go help. That's why Lorgar's there, because he's the religious fanatic. He can do all these crazy warp rituals to cause shit like that. And you're there because they need to do as much damage as possible in as little time as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff that happens here, but the main event is Kalf, which is one of the world's uh, Ultramar, right? Basically, we're going to go into this more in Lorgar's episode and in the Legion episodes, but there is a massive brutal war takes place on the world of Kalf, causing untold deaths and bloodshed basically never before seen, right? It's easily past the point of the Drop Sight Massacre, right? It is okay. the bloodiest yeah. battle the galaxy's ever seen, basically, right? And Lorgar and the Powers of Chaos use that to fuel these warp storms that basically cut off this area of space. Yeah. But there's a couple other things happen here, which is where you come in, other than just all the murder and bloodshed. <laughs> Uh, so, like we said, this entire time you've basically hated Lorgar because he's a weakling, even if he has a magic weakling. Right? Yeah. Um, and you obviously ended up destroying a bunch of Gilliman's worlds, ending up with Kalth, huge massacre, so on and so forth. You and Lorgar hated each other to such a degree that you almost came to a point of just kicking the shit out of each other rather than the enemy. <laughs> okay, yeah. and before the arguments and the kind of fighting could get to a stage where you just turned on each other um, there was an assassination attempt against you and the two of you obviously ended up fighting side by side against the assassins which were yeah. Drukari they were Dark Eldar that had came to try and end you right <laughs> So you end up fighting side by side and kind of got on the same page because of that. So sometime shortly after this, Lorgar suggests that you go back to New Syria and kind of deal with the demons of your past, right? Yeah. So you, your kids, Lorgar and his kids all fly over to New Syria for a field day. And you order the full-scale massacre of everyone on the planet... <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times, right? <laughs> you sure? Yeah. So while this is going on, right, I want you to know, Lorgar suggested you come here because he could see that you were, like, unstable, right? And he made out, like, dealing with this part of your past would help you. It would make you kind of, you know, more stable. It would make you better off in your own mind, psychologically. Right, because you'd have buried that part of your history, you'd have gotten that kind of closure you'd never got from missing the final battle, right? Yeah. So that's how he paints it to you. That's not why he actually wants you to go back. 
<laughs> but you go back, full-scale massacre of the entire population of the planet. Um, and midway through all of this, guess who turns up? Big Bro Gilliman. <laughs> hey, let's go. Yeah. Rebooty, robust rebooty. Yeah, so him and a bunch of the Ultramarines uh, Marines turn up and start trying to, like, stop you. You end up in a full-on <laughs> battle in, a, like, a one-on-one -on -one duel with Rebooty. Uh, but before you can finish him off, a bunch of his Ultramarines kind of, like, get in the way and make an opening for him to escape. Obviously, you just are enraged beyond belief at the fact that he escaped. <laughs> But you were already about as angry as you'd ever been just from setting foot on Euseria again. <laughs> so this you're basically the angriest thing that's ever existed at this point on a planet <laughs> covered in the blood of innocents. Or just the blood of humans, right? And full-on yeah. warfare. This is what Lorgar wanted. Lorgar takes the opportunity to set about his bullshit chaos rituals and basically just uses... Uh, your anger and the bloodshed of the planet to funnel, to absolutely pour corn energy, corn's influence yeah. directly into you. Oh, God. Right? Until the point that it overcomes you and you are reborn as the demon Primarch of corn. Right? Oh, God. And so, the Red Angel is born. Chase. Yeah. So, yeah. a couple interesting things come from this, other than you being a gigantic winged red demon now, right? Uh, the first is that uh, you get a giant black runic sword forged for you. I believe it's this one right here. Uh, mm -hmm. It is forged by the, the section of the Mechanicum, which turned to chaos as well. Um, so that's how you get that thing. That plays a role you know, and a lot of storylines going forward, but those are for another day. Uh, and yeah. the other one is that the first thing you did after, like, emerging as this uh, was order Karn to slaughter loads of slaves in the lower decks of your flagship, the Conqueror, uh, and make a throne for you out of their skulls. Oh, God. Karn gets a skull thrown, Angron gets a skull thrown. That's the deal. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's what you did. So nice. we're at the point... Oh wait, actually, I almost forgot. Uh, you know how I said we don't have a picture on Euseria because of something, and I would explain it later. Yes. Yeah. Uh, later on in the heresy, uh, siege time, the lion blows up the planet. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so the lion yeah, finds okay. it and is like, you know what, fuck this place and fuck Angron, and just destroys the planet. <laughs> You know what? I'm tired of this shit. Get gone. Yeah. <laughs> Destroy it. It's like, probably not, probably not going to affect anything, but fuck them. Nuke. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. So, moving further forward, we're skipping a bunch of stuff that's, you know, in the middle. But, Siege yeah. of Terra, right? You know how you end up on the battlefield. You get ejected from an airlock because you're causing problems. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you just you just barrel to the ground as a giant flaming flesh comet hit the ground and then burst out of the crater like this and then just charge in and start murdering uh, loyalists. Yeah, kind of badass. Yeah. Now, as you'll remember from the Sanguinius episode, you challenged Sanguinius to a duel and he refused you 
and then later on you got your chance to fight him and you wounded him pretty heavily but he did survive yeah right? um that's that's kind of the main events of the siege for you right was the whole thing with sanguinius because horus yeah. actually specifically ordered you to go and kill sanguinius that's why you challenged him to a duel right because mm-hmm. you were specifically ordered to kill him because horus saw him as a threat uh, and horus didn't want to kill him himself because they were like best buds or they had been uh but we all know how that turns out and once you know big imps is dead and horus is dead and everyone's fucking dead uh you and your troops are forced to retreat from terra because obviously Horus is gone, the demons are all gone, you're kind of at a disadvantage now. Uh, so you all retreat and retreat back to the Eye of Terror, as you are aware, because that's where they all went, basically. You fucked up a lot of stuff along the way, but you went back to the Eye of Terror. Uh, mm-hmm. And now with Horus gone, there was a kind of gap in leadership. Your kids needed someone to look up to, and luckily Korn was all too happy to invite them all into his loving embrace. And of course. So it was that the world eaters all fell to corn. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, as for like aftermath stuff, um, there isn't a lot to talk about because most of the major events that Angron turns up in after the Horus Heresy are tied into bigger storylines. Like mm-hmm. the wars for Armageddon are a big deal, but they have their own storyline, right? Which is. Mm-hmm. Angron's part of it is much better told as part of that the War of Armageddon storyline rather than just what happens to Angron, right? Yeah. Uh, but he does turn up in quite a few events. Most recently, he reincarnated and was hunted by a bunch of uh, Grey Knights, you know, the Demon Hunters, um, mm-hmm. halfway across the galaxy as he tore a bloody fiery streak across the galaxy bringing his entire disbanded legion of uh, world eaters back together under his control purely for the purpose of going and fucking up something on the dark half of the Imperium without the light of Terra uh, which is mimicking the light of Terra and he wants it gone <laughs> It's it's basically like, you know, when you shine a laser pointer at something and your cat attacks it. Basically, yeah. this beacon on this one planet is acting like that for Angron. So he just rounds up all the world eaters to him and just goes for it to destroy this thing. Um, <laughs> nice. But all of that actually ties into the return of the lion. Ooh. So the lion storyline going forward is actually primarily going to be about him fighting Angron, who is just returned again, and the newly formed uh, Chaos God, uh, Vashtor, who is fucking up the lion stuff pretty well as well. So there's actually upcoming a lot of new storyline for Angron, it looks like, which is going to be good. Yeah. That's going to be nice. Yes. But we will hear more about Demon Angron, but it'll be in episodes about stuff like The Wars for Armageddon. But yeah. until then, that is that is the story of Angron. And it's a, it's a fucking good story. <laughs> it's a good story of just injustice. Like, yeah. a lot of injustice. Yeah. Like, like where's he on the chill list, by the way? Right uh, I can't remember. So, where is Angron? Uh, Angron is second in B tier. 
right below Jagatai Khan. Oh, but I don't want to put everybody in A tier, though. Mm. Well, keep in mind, you are going to get the opportunity to redo this whole list from the beginning at the end of the season. Which I, know, I think that the reason I want to do that is because then you can kind of reevaluate them as a whole. So if you end up with, like, say you end up with no one in D tier, you can kind of rebalance the whole thing by putting some in D because they were at the lower end of, you know, your thoughts on the matters, and then kind of yeah. rebalance the value of all of the tiers that way. Wait, you know what? Put him top of B tier. Top of B tier. I might be doing him a little bit dirty, but he he's, 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 he's not been the best despite all the injustice, but hey... Uh, games the game yeah he, he's he's very much a product of the misery he's suffered you he know yes but it doesn't justify oh it actually does <laughs> no i don't know i don't know it's a weird one i, I feel like it's horrible but hey, yo, he can't yeah it's one of those where you walk know. away from the whole thing going you know what i get it <laughs> like yeah i get it but i, I don't like it but i get it <laughs> yeah i can understand yeah like Oh, Angron. Yeah. Who do you think's next? Oh, let's take that next week, Ryan. Oh, all right. I thought you'd be more curious. I wasn't going to tell you anyway, but I'm just curious who you thought it would that, be. That's why, that's why. You know, <laughs> do me a favor, just take a guess, because I'm going to check who's next. I'm just curious. No, no, no. no, no. You can get that start of next episode, Ryan. <sighs> You're fun. All right, round us out. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of It's Radio Soft Appearance Podcast. It's been me, Mess, and Ryan, and we will see you in the next one. Take care and peace. Bye.